Hey, welcome to episode two of Trading Bases. This one is going to have video feed, which is new to me. This isn't going to be very professional, like at all. Um, I'm just kind of having a good time, and you know, we'll see where it goes from here. But I know it's been a long hiatus since the first episode. I'm ready to get back on the horse. I do want to co-host eventually. We'll kind of figure that out as time goes on. But right now, I'm just excited to get back and recording this and making content outside of just posting on Twitter because I do enjoy doing that. I do it like it's a second full job for me because I enjoy it so much and I enjoy talking baseball with everybody. Um, I'm just constantly consuming baseball media. It's one of my favorite things in the world and I absolutely love, love, love just communicating with other baseball fans, especially Tigers fans. You know that, rocking the D. There's nothing more needed to be explained there. But I am back doing this episode of Trading Bases, and without further ado, let's just go ahead and start talking. So we are in the middle of the offseason. I've been doing a countdown to opening day. We're a little over 80 days left. So we are creeping up. I started the countdown at 129 days. I can't believe how much time has passed. We're almost halfway from when the countdown started. Okay, maybe not almost halfway. I'm rounding a little bit. But regardless, I'm very excited. It's getting close. It's especially getting close to pitchers and catchers reporting in February. It's getting close to spring training, which I thoroughly enjoy spring training. My uncle has a house down in Florida that is relatively within driving distance of the Tiger Spring Training Complex, and I'm really debating making the trip down there because I've never been to a spring training game. I think that'd be a lot of fun. We'll see, you know, I'm busy working a lot, so I don't know if I'll be able to find the time, but if I can, that would be awesome. Um, I especially would love to see the, uh, the prospect game that they're gonna do. I think that would be incredible, but, you know, sometimes you don't always get to do what you wanna do. But anyways, the Tigers have actually made some of the most moves in all of baseball this offseason. Uh, they've been pretty active. I know we haven't landed any major names. I mean, there are some names, but maybe not the ones that like people who are just looking for stars are going to be like super ecstatic about. However, when you pair all these together, I think it is a pretty good flurry of moves that could really move the needle for this team. A team that, by the way, wasn't that bad after the like first 10 games last season i think they were above 500 after that like awful stretch to start the year that awful stretch where they played the rays and got swept and then the astros and all that stuff like after that i'm pretty sure they were over 500 i'd have to check the numbers i'm not going to because i don't i don't know where i'd find that but Yes, they were actually a lot better than people maybe give them credit for. We got a lot of young guys that are either taking another step, hopefully next year, like Torque, Green, Carpenter, all going into like year three. For Carp, it's more like two and a half. Um, but it's it's exciting. It's exciting because there's a lot of potential here. And then the very very first move of the offseason, like shortly after the offseason started, they went and traded for Mark Canna from the Milwaukee Brewers, and I gotta admit, I love this move. I love, love, love this move. I've done that a couple times this episode. Hopefully that doesn't stick. I don't mean to do that. Anyways, um, I do really like this Mark Canna move. I think he is a very solid player. 
He's a guy that you can reliably throw in a corner outfield spot to hold his own. He's a guy that is going to get on base. He's a guy who has, and I post about it, posted about this on Twitter, he has a one-dot OPS with runners in scoring position and two outs. That is really, really beneficial to a team where their biggest problem in 2023 was that they could not score when runners were on base. So you bring in a guy who not only gets on base, but hits when there are runners on base. He is a guy who has not had an OPS plus below 100 since 2017. He is a reliable baseball player who crushes left-handed pitching. So if you want to platoon him, you can. Or if you need to play him every day, you can too because he's just a solid, good player. And from what I heard, a great human being. So I'm great to have him. I'm great. I'm glad to have him on this Tigers team. It's going to be really, really exciting. Um, then they went out and got Kenta Maeda. Super exciting. I was hoping that that meant that they were going to take a shot at some more Japanese players coming over this offseason. And I know they were interested in Yamamoto and Imanaga. And, you know, that's great. I would love for them to be on the Tigers. But when the price tag kept climbing like it did and it gets down to the point where, like, every team is going to – like, all these teams in competition are going to throw out the same offer – the guy's more, more than likely going to choose a major market. Like, how is Detroit going to compete with L.A. if L.A. is willing to just keep going up and up and up and up? And obviously, when you have the potential to play with Shohei Otani, the greatest player to ever come out of your country and maybe the greatest talent we've ever seen step on a baseball field, who is like a superhero over in Japan. Obviously, Detroit just really had no shot. Shota Imanaga, I think right now the reason they're out on him is, A, they got their guys that they like in the rotation right now, but also because he's 30, I think he's going to be really solid for probably five years. I think he's going to have a great, you know, but shorter career in the MLB, but I think he's going to be solid. I think the reason that they're out on him is because his price tag is probably higher than he's worth now. I think he's going to end up making more than maybe – the Tigers think he's worth and that that money can go towards other things. And I hope it does go towards other things. I hope it's not just money that sits and they don't spend it because as we know, the Tigers payroll pretty low, pretty low outside of Javi's contract. Now that Miggy's off the books, pretty low. And so I really hope that that doesn't become like a trend. I hope they don't go like the Rays or the athletics route where they're just and the race compete, but that they just don't pay guys. I hope they do. I really hope they do. I mean, I don't, I don't, I know we joke that Chris Illich won't spend money, but I mean, they paid Javi that season. Obviously, it hasn't worked out, but I mean, that's a pretty size, sizable contract. So I think there is a record to show that they're not opposed to paying money to players that they think can help the team. Maybe there's just not somebody worth. 20 plus million a year that also is interested in playing for Detroit this offseason. And that's okay. That just means you've got to go out and play this off se- this season, 2024. You've got to be good enough that you make players want to come play in Detroit. And then, you know, you've got a better free agent class next year and then you go you go make a big splash signing. Doesn't mean I don't want to compete in 2024. If anything that means you should compete in 2024. That way players want to come. Anyways, they went and signed Kenna Maeda. I got a little off track there. I think Maeda is a 
great pitcher. He was really great once he kind of got settled back in from injury. He's got a nasty splitter, as a lot of the Japanese pitchers do, and he's going to be a great mentor to the young guys. I mean, we've got a pretty young pitching staff, and he's, you know, mid-30s. He's a, he's a veteran. He's gone through injuries. He's gone through a couple different teams. He's got a lot of experience under his belt where I think he can offer a lot of valuable advice to, to these young guys. And I think as a, a pitcher that throws a splitter, maybe he can work with Casey Mize on how to throw it in a way that's maybe a better arm angle or something like that where Mize can still have a dominant splitter without having to worry about perhaps another Tommy John surgery. And I know that Ken Maeda had an injury recently so it's not that he's you know immune to that but you know it seems like maybe Japanese pitching has kind of perfected the splitter a bit more to where it happens less often um so we'll see we'll see I'd love to see Casey Mize get back to form you know be that number one pick that they took a few years ago regardless I think he's a great signing I think he adds a lot of value they brought back the sheriff Andrew Chafin I love Andrew Chafin. I think he's a fun guy, fun clubhouse guy. I think maybe him and Fetter just have something that clicked um, because when he was with Detroit, he was really good. When he left Detroit, he was not so good. So maybe when he comes back, he'll be pretty solid again. I think he definitely is a very talented pitcher. We know this. Um, and I think if you use him right, I think it also depends on that too. You got to use him right. And I think Hinch is the coach that can do that. I think he very much can use Andrew Chafin in a way that makes him most effective. So I'm very happy with bringing him back. That bolsters the bullpen a bit, and you know it, it makes them just all around a more well-rounded team. I know I said round like three times there. Regardless, then they went and got Jack Flaherty, and that one kind of seemed controversial amongst people because he was not very good last year. And before that, he had injuries. But before that, in 2019, he was a star. He was a young star. He was a sub-3 ERA with 160-plus innings pitched, like, star. And the stuff is good. And I know that a lot of people are worried that you can't come back from injury and be as good as you once were. But I say, why do we think that? Because we've seen Justin Verlander. I mean, obviously it's Verlander. But we saw Justin Verlander at the age of 40 come back and pitch a sub-2 ERA Cy Young season for the Astros after a, a, a big injury. I mean, if he can do that at that age, why can't 28-year-old Jack Flaherty, not saying he's Justin Verlander, but he's in a much more, you know, prime era of his body. So I think we shouldn't be concerned that the injury is going to prevent him from ever reaching where he was at. I think he very much can get back to where he was at, and I think the Tigers are priding themselves on being a place where pitchers can return to form, where they can be the guys that they once were or maybe capitalize on the potential that they've shown. And I think that's why Jack Flaherty came to Detroit. I think that's why they wanted Jack Flaherty. I think it was a great match for both sides. And you just you look at the rotation now, at the very least, he's depth. I mean, you've got Scooble, you've got Manning, You've got Maeda, you've got SGL, you've got Olsen, you know, and, and Mize. And so you've got all these guys, and, you know, there's more guys coming up from the minors. you got Ty Madden, Wilmer Flores. I, I'm not even thinking of everybody. There's a lot of 
a lot of talent in the minors right now as far as pitching goes. And so, obviously, Jackson Job might take a little while to get there. He looks like a stud. But they've got a lot of talent there. And at the very least, with the amount of injuries that this team has suffered at that position over the last few years, he adds depth that they desperately need. And at the best-case scenario, he comes in and is very good. And if he's very good and you're not very good as a team, which I really hope we are good, but if you're not, then you, you, you do the Michael Lorenzen thing and you flip him. You flip him for a good prospect and you send him to a contender. And if you are good, then you, you work with him on an extension, maybe, if he wants it. And that would be fantastic because he's a 28-year-old pitcher. So if you sign him to a three-year extension because he's having a fantastic year, that's great for both sides. That's, that's awesome. You know, if he wants more money than that, I don't know if Scott Harris would go beyond like three years. He seems like a guy from his track record that doesn't sign pitchers to long-term deals um, even before he was on the Tigers. So we'll see. But I think if they get to a point where it's like, hey, you want three years here, you know, to your age 31, 32 season, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where you go from there. I think that would work great for both sides if we get there and the Tigers are competitive because I really think – they will be competitive this year. Uh, from Jack Flaherty, they went and got Shelby Miller. And Shelby Miller it was really good in 2023 as a reliever. He was really, really good. He's had a pretty insane roller coaster of a career where he was like a top prospect of a pitcher uh, for a starter. He started off as a starter. He was pretty good. Um, he was really good, and then he went through like injuries, and then he wasn't so good, um, and then they kind of converted him to a reliever where he still wasn't like great. Um, he might have had another injury in there or something, and then came back, and then finally this last year or two, he's been really solid, and you know he's in his early to mid-30s now, so he's he's probably got a couple of few years left, and that's, that's fine, but I think he's another guy that you see the upside there, and you pair him with this great pitching coaching staff that we have and I think it's a good match and again he just adds depth in this bullpen that is starting to look pretty deep you've got Jason Foley Alex Lang Will Vest and now you bring in you know uh, Andrew Chafin and Shelby Miller and I I'm definitely missing Tyler Holton the best reliever on the team last year like you've got a pretty solid looking bullpen going into 2024 this team is just looking pretty well rounded and I think a lot of how good they're going to be is going to rely on how good these young guys are on the offensive side of the ball in 2024. So like Torkelson, Green, Carpenter, Colt Keith, because he'll probably start the year up, I really think. Uh, Malloy, if he sees time. I think depending on how good those guys are capable of being will depend on how good the Tigers will be in 2024, absolutely. But having this much pitching depth is going to be huge. Uh, there's a reason that so many teams, so many organizations are looking for innings more so than anything. That's why Giolito just got paid as much as he did is because he pitches consistently over 160 innings a year. That is important to teams right now because having to do bullpen games, having to do that stuff, it's not fun for the people watching most of the time to do a bullpen game. I don't think, personally. I'm not excited when I see, no offense to Will Vest, I like Will Vest, but when I see him starting a, a baseball game it's a little underwhelming um, and I don't think as a, a coach or as an organization you're that all that excited about having to run a, 
a bullpen guy out at the start of the game and use a bunch of bullpen guys for an entire game. So it is what it is. Um, some ideas that I was thinking they can do beyond those moves because there's a lot of moves and I think they're all great moves but I think they're maybe just one short because right now it's looking like Matt Veerling is going to be your everyday third baseman and I like Matt Veerling I've been pretty high on him compared to a lot of people however I just don't know if you should rely on him to be an everyday third baseman I don't know if that's a really good role for him or not and so I've been kind of throwing out the idea of him you know of, of him being like a platoon guy all around the diamond um, kind of how he was last year except he probably was more every day last year but he moved around but this time more is just like a filling in when guys need days off I mean he can play most days just kind of filling in the spots where where guys need days off same with Andy Abanez both guys that I think are great bench pieces and Veerling might be more than a bench piece he's still really young but I think the Tigers should make a trade and I think it should be for Willie Adamas Willie Adamas could slide over to third base just fine. He's a great defender. He was, if you look at his metrics, he was one of the best defenders in baseball in 2023. You throw him at third base, I think he would be a great fit over there. The Brewers look like they're kind of trying to get younger, trying to shed, uh, you know, expiring contracts. And I believe he's got one more year of arbitration, and then he is a free agent. So I would not be surprised if they're looking to move him. He was originally signed by Detroit years ago before being traded in the David Price trade. And so we could bring him back. It could be a full circle moment. He's a guy who, yes, he does strike out a lot, um, but he also gets on base a lot. So, I mean, you look at Javi, who strikes a lot, strikes out a lot, but he also doesn't get on base. He doesn't walk. Willie Adamas strikes out a lot, but he also walks. He gets on base. He has a much better on base percentage than Javi. He hits home runs. He plays great defense. He's a guy that you can reliably throw in there and feel confident that he's going to be at the bare minimum a slightly above average player to a pretty well above average player. And I think you could use that for a year or or a year and a half. Like I don't I don't know. You could use him for a year and then look at the next deadline. If you're thinking you don't want to sign him in free agency, then you flip him. Um, because then by then Jace Young might be ready to fill in at third base. I mean, there's, but I, I just, I think you have so much pitching depth right now that if you wanted to throw them, and I don't like parting ways with anybody that I, that I like as a player. I like a lot of our pitching prospects and players, but you know, Sawyer Gibson Long, I think he's going to be a stud, but you have so much room. You could send him over there for Willie Adamas, and it really wouldn't hurt anything because you've still got Ty Madden, Jackson Job, and. Uh, Wilmer Flores and all these guys on the way and you can always trade for more and sign more so I think you could afford to do that another another guy that you could trade for who's just already at third base and the rumors are out could be a reunion with Hinch is Alex Bregman Bregman I believe only has one year left on his deal I didn't check on that I probably should have it is what it is I know he's probably getting close to the end of his deal which is why they've been talking about moving him I think that'd be fine too I think, you know, if you're trading for a guy or you're signing a guy to play third base, which I do think you should do, you do want it to be temporary if you believe Jace Young will be the guy at third base going forward. Because he very he very well might be. He is hit very well at every level. 
He hit very well in the fall league. He's hit very well everywhere, college, all that stuff. So he might be the guy, third base. You don't want to block him, but he's probably not going to be ready this year. Or if he is this year, probably not till later this year. Who knows? Maybe he'll surprise us. He'll be so good in spring training, he makes it out of camp. I highly doubt it. But we'll see. I think that you just need a guy to fill that gap. Alex Bregman is a veteran. He is a guy that knows Hinch. He's a good leader. And, you know, I obviously a lot of people don't like him because he was also a part of that 2017 team that cheated. And, you know what, so was Hinch. So was our coach, whatever. Uh, but Alex Bregman has proved to still be a very good player beyond that. And I think he would be an awesome fill-in that really helps this team compete. Because you want to compete this year. The division, despite what Twins fans might say, is pretty wide open. They've lost a lot of pitching depth. They maybe overperformed in some areas last year. And I think that the Tigers very well could compete and should compete for this division. Other option I've seen people talk about, I'm not huge on it, is Matt Chapman. You know he's going to give you great defense at third base, and at the beginning of last year, he looked like an insane hitter. He was just hitting like like nobody else in the league was hitting. It was crazy, but then he slowed off a ton, and you realize that when he plays like that, he's almost just as bad as, as Javi in that sense, where he's just striking out a lot, and he's a guy that's just going to frustrate you at the plate, and you know, it's 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 not a bad idea. You could do it if he's looking for a one-year or short deal. You could do it, and I don't think it hurts the team. I mean, worst-case scenario, you sign him to a one-year deal and you trade him. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not huge on that idea as much as the other two. I think a trade would be better for the Tigers to do because I just don't know if the market is in free agency right now, has any guys that I'm really high on. Uh, at least offensively, you know, I still like Shota Imanaga, but obviously they're probably not going to get him. Anyways, last thing, kind of a shot in the dark, is Josh Hader. Josh Hader would be an interesting signing for them to make because they definitely are probably not a team people are thinking of that would be in the running for him, but a team that might benefit from having him the most because that is probably one of their biggest weaknesses beyond May of last year is you didn't necessarily have reliability at that closing spot because Lang kind of fell apart. And I like Lang, but he has control issues. We know Josh Hader, even if he's, you know, sometimes a little bit wild control-wise, he is a reliably good closer for his entire career besides that like half-year stretch in 2020, 2022 that half-year stretch where he just wasn't very good. It, it is what it is. But go sign him, a future Hall of Fame closer. I, I, I feel like that's got to be the case, right? He's He's been the best closer in baseball s for so many years now. Um, I guess Edwin Diaz is probably right there now, but he only had the one good year, and then he missed all of last year. So I think Josh Hader keeps that title. But, yeah, that would be a fun name to look out for. I mean, I think – He's probably going to want a lot of money, probably more so than most people would want to pay a closer. And so maybe that means they probably won't be in on him. And if that's the case, that's fine. They don't need to. Uh, it's just a fun idea. So 
that is kind of my few ideas that I put down for this offseason, kind of what I think they could do. I don't know as though they'll do anything else this offseason. You know, Scott said multiple times that he doesn't want to block guys. He doesn't want to block prospects. They do have guys that are right around the corner. Colt Keith, Justice Bigby, Justin Henry Malloy, Jace Young, and I don't know how close you want to say he is, Wenzel Perez, Eddie Leonard. Like, there's a lot of names. Is it Leonard? I feel like I heard them say Leonard once, so maybe it's that. But um, regardless, you know, they do have a lot of young guys who are probably looking to make their debut pretty soon. And if you're really trying not to block them, it almost feels like that means you're saying you're not ready to compete yet. I don't like that thought process, but we'll see. Uh, the offseason still, like I said, got over 80 days left. There's plenty of time. There's still a lot of people on the market, still a lot of things happening. So anything could happen. We will see. But, uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. This was episode two of Trading Bases. I felt good to get back onto it, and I uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your day.